November 17th. And now as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, we begin reading in a brand new book today. We're done with the book of Hebrews and we begin the book of James. And our reading today will be in James chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Now the man who wrote this letter was the half-brother of our Lord and the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He was a devout Jew and wrote to Jewish believers scattered throughout the Roman world. They were troubled by trials and testings, as well as by problems in their assemblies. And James wrote to help them mature in their faith. The Epistle of James is a practical book that discusses living the faith. It contains echoes of the Sermon on the Mount and the book of Proverbs, both of which are very practical. If we truly practice our faith, it will be seen in how we face trials, in the way we treat people, in what we say, in how we deal with sin in our lives, and it will be seen in our prayer life. When you trust God, trials work for you and not against you. But be sure your heart is wholly yielded to Him. If your heart and mind are divided, trials will tear you apart. We'll read about the goodness of God. When you realize how good God is to you, you will have no interest in the temptations the enemy puts before you. When you're tempted, count your blessings, and you will soon have strength to say no. We'll read about the Word of God. It is a mirror that helps us examine ourselves and cleanse our lives. We must do the Word of God, not just read it, not just read it or study it. The blessing is in the doing. And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. November 17th, James chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is written to Jewish Christians scattered among the nations. Greetings, dear brothers and sisters. Wherever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. If you need wisdom... If you want to know what God wants you to do, ask Him, and He will gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking. But when you ask Him, be sure that you really expect Him to answer. For a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. People like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. They can't make up their minds. They waver back and forth in everything they do. Christians who are poor should be glad, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should be glad, for God has humbled them. They will fade away like a flower in the field. The hot sun rises and dries up the grass. The flower withers, and its beauty fades away. So also wealthy people will fade away, with all of their achievements. God blesses the people who patiently endure testing. Afterward, 
they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. And remember, no one who wants to do wrong should ever say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone else either. Temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires. These evil desires lead to evil actions, and evil actions lead to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God above, who created all heaven's lights. Unlike them, He never changes or casts shifting shadows. In His goodness, He chose to make us His own children by giving us His true Word, and we, out of all creation, became His choice possession. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? He's saying, how long, Lord, do you want me to look out and see all this? There's violence, there's strife, there's contention, there's misery, there's suffering. Where are you, God? Why are you allowing this to happen? So here's God's response to Habakkuk. He says, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. This wasn't the response that Habakkuk was desiring. So what does he do? He questions God again. What is it that causes you to question God? Maybe the death of a loved one has caused caused you to wonder why God would allow such an incredible person to die. Maybe you've seen the suffering of a friend or a family member and cannot shake from your mind the questions of why. Why, God, won't you just heal him? Or why, God, can't you just cure her? Or maybe you're going through an intensely personal situation that has you asking questions like, Why, God, is my marriage crumbling all around me? Why, God, is my son in slavery to drinking and drugs despite being raised in a godly home? Why, God, am I struggling with this addiction? I I try my best to give it to you, but all too often it gets the best of me. How long, Lord, will you remain silent? while I'm losing my job, while I'm losing my home, while I can't provide for my family. Why, God, when I'm doing my best for you, am I experiencing the worst from others? These are all honest questions. And the best thing that we can do with them is to bring them to God in prayer. Bring all your doubts and all your worries to him. He he won't get offended. You won't insult him. Go to him for answers. And here's what he says in chapter 2, verse 1. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Habakkuk knew that the solution to his confusion and his complaints could only come from God, so he waits. Let's remember that like Habakkuk, we must take our stand upon the watchtower, high above the clouds of the earth and beyond the thoughts of men, where we can quietly wait upon the Lord until he responds. That's what Habakkuk did, and then God does graciously respond to him. Behold, his soul is puffed up, it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. 
The righteous person isn't someone who, who tries to, to make good with God by, by keeping to a set of rules, by doing good works, by doing good things. The righteous person is a sinner who has been declared righteous by God because of his or her trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. That is the only way a person can be declared righteous by God. There is no other way. Habakkuk knew that difficult times were coming to the people of Judah, but he also understood that their only resource was to wait on God, wait on him in faith, trusting his word and resting in his will. So I don't know the amount of pain or anguish that you came here with this morning, but I do know that your only resource, your best resource is to bring it to God, to wait on him and to trust his word. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God has a greater plan for the earth than the evil it currently suffers. And God has a greater plan for you than the pain or the hurt or the sadness that you might be suffering. There will be a time when God will once and for all destroy all evil and will wipe away every single tear from our eyes. We don't only have the guarantee of of this final and, and complete glory then but we have access to this glory right now because of christ here's what second corinthians 4 16 tells us it tells us that god made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of christ in other words you became filled with god's glory when you put your trust in jesus so enjoy god's glory in the current situation you might be in and rest assured that every difficult season of your life will one day be transformed into a complete and eternal glory a glory that is so magnificent that it's beyond our own comprehension you see Habakkuk's circumstances hadn't changed his questions didn't all get answered the way he had hoped but what had changed was him he changed his waiting on God transformed his worrying into worshiping. Let me say that again. Habakkuk's waiting on God is what transformed his worrying into his worshiping. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the field yields no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. And what he was essentially saying was, God, though everything around me is crumbling, though the economy is tanking, though I'm experiencing and witnessing utter evil and suffering, Lord, though I feel destroyed, though I have nothing, I will worship you. And though I have nothing, because of my faith in you, I don't lack anything. He says, I will rejoice in you, my God, for you are my salvation and you are my strength. You alone are sufficient for every situation. Whatever trial or hardship you might be in, whatever suffering or pain you might be experiencing, whatever the circumstances are, rejoice in God and worship Him. Because the truest expression of our trust in God will always be worship.
Psalm 116, verses 1 through 19. From danger to deliverance, we'll read about that in this psalm. The psalmist almost died, possibly because people lied to him. But when he cried out to the Lord, the Lord saved him. The death of a believer is precious to the Lord. He will not permit it to be merely an accident. This does not mean that God enjoys the death of one of His own. Rather, it means that He values His own so much that He makes death an appointment. It is a part of His loving plan. Notice these assertions as we read today. I will walk, He says. I will offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I will pay my vows. And, another one, I will call upon Him as long as I live. Psalm 116, verses 1 through 19. I love the Lord because He hears and answers my prayers. Because He bends down and listens, I will pray as long as I have breath. Death had its hands around my throat. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save me. How kind the Lord is. How good He is. So merciful, this God of ours. The Lord protects those of childlike faith. I was facing death, and then He saved me. Now I can rest again. For the Lord has been so good to me. He has saved me from death my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. And so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. I believe in you, so I prayed, I am deeply troubled, Lord. In my anxiety, I cried out to you, These people are all liars. What can I offer the Lord for all He has done for me? I will lift up a cup symbolizing His salvation. I will praise the Lord's name for saving me. I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all His people. The Lord's loved ones are precious to Him. It grieves Him when they die. O oh Lord, I am Your servant. Yes, I am Your servant, the son of Your handmaid. And You have freed me from my bonds. I will offer You a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all His people, in the house of the Lord, in the heart of Jerusalem. Praise the Lord! Proverbs 27, verses 23-27 through 27. Know the state of your flocks, and put your heart into caring for your herds, for riches don't last forever, and the crown might not be secure for the next generation. After the hay is harvested, the new crop appears, and the mountain grasses are gathered in. Your sheep will provide wool for clothing, and your goats will be sold for the price of a field. And you will have enough goat's milk for you, your family, and your servants. <laughs>